You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. We're talking about the good fight of faith. And this week in particular, we're going to be talking about how doubt comes against your mind, seeking a way to get into your heart. Doubt in the mind will not short-circuit your faith. Doubt in the heart will. And so you can have a doubt in your mind. You don't want it to stay there long. You do have to learn how to cast it out and deal with it. But When doubt gets into your heart, that's when your prayers and your faith are defeated. So that's the purpose of our messages this week. 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, the nature of our opposition is doubt in the mind. That's what we deal with primarily. That doesn't mean Satan can't attack, attack in another way. Uh, there's always oppression. There will be persecution. But these are not constant. Um, people are not under persecution all the time, or they're not experiencing oppression all the time. But one thing that you do battle all the time are attacks against the mind. They're ongoing and they're commonplace. Now, I noticed something when I first began my walk with God. When I first began my walk with God, I had the same temptations that I had had before I became a believer. And I resisted those temptations. In fact, they were relatively easy to resist because I knew immediately what the source of them was. But after about three to four weeks, there was a change in the way that the devil came against my mind. I began to have to deal with Scripture confusion. And uh, he saw that I was building my life on Scripture, and so he began to try to confuse me with Scripture or my understanding of Scripture. Now, this is interesting uh, because you see the same pattern in the temptation of Jesus. And I'm referring particularly to the Gospel of Luke chapter 4. And by the way, uh, this is not just a different version of uh, the temptation of Jesus that's recorded in in Matthew chapter 4. It's uh, 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 a totally different temptation. And there's a different order here. So Jesus was tempted by the devil twice uh, in the same setting, but tempted twice. So the first two times, Jesus is tempted with the, 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 the lust of the flesh, which is command these stones to be made bread. Then the pride of life, why don't you cast yourself off the temple? Uh, or I'm sorry, uh, if you fall down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. That is the lust of the eyes. And now he comes with something different. Uh, verse 9, Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, uh, go throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, 
one of the things I want you to see here is because Christ had been using Scripture, the third temptation involved a misinterpretation of Scripture, which is exactly how Satan would work. And so this is what I noticed. But when I was involved in the sins of the flesh, Satan never came at me with confusion regarding Scripture. He didn't even bring it up. It was only after Scripture became a part of my life that he changed his strategy and began to attack me with regard to a misinterpretation of Scripture. And that's what he did with Jesus. Now, Satan is looking for you to confess weakness and failure. Let me read to you, this is Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, New King James Version, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confessing and believing work for the positive in this instance. This is how you're saved. But they can also work in the negative. Any spiritual principle that has a positive application can also have a negative application. And so confessing and believing uh, work negatively too. And I want to show you this contrast in the book of Numbers, and it has to do with the 12 spies who were sent by Moses about two years after they had crossed the Red Sea and and were wandering in the wilderness for a short period of time. Then it was time to go take possession of the land of Canaan. These spies were sent to go and look out the way to possess the land. They weren't sent to uh, uh, see if they could take it. They were going to see how they would take it. And so the scripture says in Numbers 13, 25, they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Uh, Now they departed and they came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and they showed them the fruit of the land, which was incredible. And they told them, we went to the land where you sent us. And it truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Now that was undeniable. And uh, so they came back and showed this to the people. But the purpose of their showing this to the people was to show them this is a land that is going to be fought over. It is a very desirable land. Therefore, there are people already there because everybody wants it. And this is what he said, or the spies said, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified. They're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the south, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites dwell in the mountains, the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they'd spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. I'll explain that in a minute. And all the people whom we saw are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, that came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, 
and so we were in their sight. So here you see them uh, just really being negative uh, about what happened. Now Joshua and Caleb uh, were just the opposite. They countered this. And we go into chapter 14 and verse 6, but Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, which is a sign of great uh, uh, mourning, uh, something bad is wrong here. Uh, they're doing this to emphasize their point. They spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, and obviously He did because of all the works they'd seen Him do to get them out of Egypt, then He will bring us into this land and give it to us. It's a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. Did you ever think about that? When you give in to fear, you may think you're being humble, but in actuality, you are rebelling against God. Wow. Uh, do not fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And the congregation said to stone them with stones. So these men of faith they rejected completely and were ready to kill him on the spot. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel, and that's what stopped Joshua and Caleb from being stoned by all of the people. That's how serious they were about rejecting the pursuit of the land of Canaan. They completely gave in to this. Now, uh, you're going to doubt, you're going to doubt if you look at the wrong things. And here we have 12 men who went in to spy out the land. Two of them obviously saw something totally different than what the other 10 saw. And they all saw the same things in the natural, but there is a way of seeing things spiritually that enables you to see more than what is obvious in the natural. The 10 spies looked only on the negative aspects of the conquest before them. And I want to tell you something. It doesn't matter what it is that God calls you to do. And I've been in so many conquests and walks of faith, fights of faith in my life. Every single one of them had a negative aspect. In other words, uh, when I went after building Camp Dragult USA years ago, starting in 1986, it was a very costly venture for me. I had never gone after anything quite like that. And uh, it, it was different. We had a real battle royal that year. I had to overcome five major obstacles, any one of which could have sunk my ministry in that year of 1986. I'll never forget that year. It was a year of tremendous opposition. There were legal battles. There were testimony battles. There were moral scandals that did not involve me, but involved people that I worked with. And uh, the devil did everything in his power to keep us from being able to go after uh, this thing that ultimately paved the way for us to launch and build Church on the Move. In fact, I remember when I got the first loan for the building of Church on the Move. Uh, it was uh, five years after Dry Gulch. Uh, the uh, Linder told us, we did this because of what we saw you do with Dry Gulch. Ordinarily, we wouldn't even think about loaning you this money this soon in your 
ministry history, but because of the stability you've shown and what you did with Dry Gulch, we're going to go ahead and do it. And so Dry Gulch paved the way for us to get a loan to build our church. And it was critical to us, uh, very critical to us. In fact, in the early 90s, it was almost impossible to find good church lenders, very difficult. It wasn't like it is today. And so uh, what I want you to see is that we had to overcome negatives and everything we did. There was a negative aspect, but we kept it from stopping us. And that's what Joshua and Caleb were saying. Uh, These other men articulated the negatives. They focused on the negatives. They spoke about them in detail. And as a result, they magnified them. And the one factor they did not look at was the Yahweh factor. They never looked at the God of Israel who had been blessing them. They never talked about the Red Sea. They did not talk about the wonderful provision of manna. They didn't talk about the water that had come from the rock and the desert. They didn't talk about the ten plagues that broke the back of Egypt and set them free. They didn't talk about that. Now, the supernatural power of Yahweh God had been present with them already for quite some time and had never let them down. In fact, there was a cloud that covered them in the daytime from the hot desert sun and a pillar of fire that was with them every night. I mean, there was a supernatural reminder daily of God's presence, yet they failed to consider uh, what was um, possible because of God's power. Now, once you look at this, everything that they mentioned, everything, was a positive in disguise. Everything about the land of Canaan that seemed to be a negative was really a positive. And I'm going to give it to you very quickly. First of all, they said we saw fortified cities. You need to look at that in the positive, and here's what it means. It means that these people do not get along with each other. They didn't build those fortified cities because Israel was there. They built these fortified cities because their neighbors were there. And so they did not trust each other. This was not a unified empire. It wasn't like Egypt. You hit one part of Egypt, you got to fight the whole country. Uh, Same thing would happen later with Rome. If you fought one Roman uh, province, you had to go against all of Rome's power. Uh, But that's not the case in Canaan. These people were not loyal to each other, so that's why they had these fortified cities. There are large cities, and so what this says is that these cities were big enough to support the population of the Israelites. They were able to move right in. It it wasn't something they would have to go into and redevelop and build. The the fields were already plowed. The crops were already there. The economy was already there. Everything they needed was already there. So the large cities was, uh, was evidence of the blessing of God. There were seven distinct opponents. They talked about the different people groups, seven different people groups. And what we see is uh, this means they're divided. They're not loyal to each other. We can take them one at a time, which is exactly what Joshua did sometime later. There were three giants in Hebron. This, This idea that everybody in the land was a giant, that's not true. If everybody in the land was a giant, they would have been unable 
to travel in the land for 40 days. Uh, immediately upon coming into a city, the, the giants would all have said, look quickly, grab the little guys. Uh, that wasn't the case. There were three giants that they mentioned in Hebron. There were others in other places, but the land was not totally, completely populated by giants. There were pockets. And that means here's an opportunity for us to gang up on them, beat them, and put fear in all the rest of the people. And then here's another thing. The land devours its people. This means that the terrible sinfulness and wickedness, the iniquity of these people was already having its consequence on their physical bodies. They were dying of diseases. So everything that they needed to take the land was there and available to them. So this is what I want you to see. When you walk in faith, you're going to get the answer that you go after. When you walk in fear and in unbelief, you're going to get the answer that you go after. And that's exactly what the lesson of this is. Both groups, both the ten and the two, received what they believed and confessed. They both did. So wouldn't it be much better to believe and to confess what God has said as opposed to what you are seeing with your natural eyes. It's all the time I have for today, but we'll pick up here tomorrow. See you then. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.